Jim Joy, so great to have you on time this time. I'm here, man. I'm here. I, and Hanging I'm so, on. And I'm glad I didn't lose my co-host as much as I, I, I loved having Alyssa on. And, you know, we kind of kicked it off. We had good energy, I think, but we'll let her judge it. Uh, but you're Yeah, I thought you guys are good. I, I, I'm fine with that. If that's the next relationship, you know, <laughs> if that's the next relationship where you're going. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, even with the, uh, the, the DTX podcast, I felt like I'm cheating on you. Right. So, um, you know, well, I, I think, you know, I'd like to stick with you. Um, no offense, Alyssa, uh, enjoyed everything. Um, in the news, I just came across, uh, you know, even though it's just like crazy, but, um, our, our friend, Eddie Martucci, Achille going public through, uh, through a SPAC. Yeah, through a SPAC that's unbelievable. One one B, right? Another another unicorn, DTX space, blowing up in That's, a positive way so far. That feels it, that feels kind of it feels nice, and it's kind of it also maybe it's like post all the fervor, you know. What I mean, it feels like um, you know, the whole SPAC environment was obviously quite exciting, and there's lots of activities, and it was almost hard to understand. But this yep. is like there hasn't there's been less recently, right? Like it's kind of there's a little bit of temperament in the market. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, let, let, let's face it. And, you know, uh, love Eddie. I love what they're doing. Um, you know, we've seen some of the, you know, both IPOs and the SPACs, right? Kind of, and with the whole market, honestly, decline. So this is a bit of a ballsy move, but, um, you know, yeah. congrats hey, to the team. I think they've been, they've been, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I um, I, I, no, I honestly saying, keep like, forgetting I'm, that I'm public. Yeah. The, the, um, the IPO, you know, Steve Swinton sent it over that health beacon was one of the top five global IPOs per CB insights. Oh, right. That's right. right. That's right. Congrats. Yeah. 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 That's right. But I, I love the fact that, you know, when they're going and looking at like Irish IPOs and we were the only one <laughs> the only Irish IPO, but Hey, listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so congrats on on, on both Be, being the only one and in CB Insights. That's awesome. That's right. I I, I just remembered that. So I'm sure you're tracking it. Um, so our guest um, comes from pharma industry or or or, or constantly around it. But uh, let's let uh, Mr. Paul Sims into yeah, this. I'm excited. Room. Are, are, I'm are you excited to meet Paul Sims? Totally. He's a, he's a legend in the pharma industry. He isn't excited to see Paul Sims. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to uh, switch my cameras. There we go. That's How are you doing, guys? Good. Hey, Paul. Paul, Jim, Jim, Paul. Pleasure. <laughs> good to meet you. I yeah. feel like I know you pretty well already, though, Jim. Yeah, you know, your so. reputation your reputation precedes yeah, yeah. you. In a really Which is positive. normally what people say to me, and I have the worst memory ever, so I'm constantly <laughs> like... Uh, you are uh, embarrassing myself. You, you've got a great, I always kind of reflect on people's names. You've got a great name. You know what I mean? Like Paul Sims, it's very, you know, it's, it gets kind of, it's, it's not too good as jokes, but I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it's way better than Eugene Baruch. I, I was <laughs> going to say, <laughs> it, took me, it took me like 30 years to figure out how to spell it myself, right? So um, <laughs> no, no expectation yeah, otherwise. That's a low bar. So, huh? yeah. Jim, a little background for you. Uh, the way I still remember this, uh, the way I met uh, Paul through uh, Jess Federer, um, you know, as I was coming into um, in, into buyer at the time, 
And this was my first real pharma gig, right? I've been around health tech and 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 PBM, right. but not inside pharma. And Justin Chisholm is like, you got to meet this awesome guy, I for pharma, hashtag trust pharma. And I was like, who says trust? Like anybody who says trust something like, you know, whatever. And I remember, Paul, I gave you crap on that first call for that alone. And then we just kind of got along and kept in touch and all of that. So that's just the background. And it could only get better from there, right? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> um, how Eugene makes relationships, right? And he starts off. <laughs> like, like to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's the, the best way to make friends. It's the you know, Eastern European it style. Away. It's the Eastern European <laughs> style. And, um, and we're not going to let you talk, Paul. We're not going to let you talk for, yet. But like, where are you calling in from just before you... I am from sunny London in England, so yeah, okay. good. Okay. Obviously, the sunny part, yeah. <laughs> so tell tell our millions of listeners and viewers kind of a little bit of your background, and we'll interrupt as we go along. But you know, kind of through your, you know, personal, professional, however you want to cut it, um, and then we'll we'll sidetrack you, of course, as always. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um, like so many of us, I think I came into this industry by accident. Um, I think my true calling was probably something in like the kind of design and architecture world. I've been, I was a weird teenager. I was, I was, I've subscribed to some kind of design or architecture magazine since the age of 11, I think. So mm. definitely, uh, definitely um, that was my true calling. But um, like so many of us, I think we fall into this industry for me, it was like joining a company that did um, events in every industry, and they just kind of said, there's a space over there in the pharma team, go and sit over there. And um, <laughs> then you realize the incredible unfulfilled potential that we that we have in our industry. Obviously, it provides more stable careers, perhaps, in the average industry as well. But uh, I think that... Um, I would never want to leave it now. Actually, um, I, I I think there's just so many, so much damn work to do. We are so much worse than what we could be. Our industry, as well as um, the, the 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 specific things that we're working on, no slight on anyone. It's just we've got a long road to travel. I think of us an, as an immature industry, uh, <laughs> not a mature one. That's for sure. I can talk about that if you like. But um, the um, yeah, I ran this thing, I for Pharma, for 17 years, which was wow. Honestly, the wrong business for me. Uh, it's very operational. <laughs> it was very, um, very, very. Um, and it took you seventeen years yeah. to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also a wimp. I should have left probably sooner than I did. Um, but yeah, it's what it did do. Of course, was it meant that I came into contact with everybody in the industry, and I was able to build up a pretty good uh, set of friends. I would say in the industry, I, I guess. For all that time, I've been hunting out the people that I gel with most, which are, ironically, despite his first message to me, the people like Eugene, who are here to kind of change the status quo because they're dis- dissatisfied with it. And um, that's obviously who I count as my friends today. But, you know, for 17 years, I felt like I was a talker and I wanted to be a doer. I'm, as I say, I'm an introvert. I wanted to build things. And I just felt... Okay, talking about the future of the industry, I need to get my hands dirty. So uh, we were acquired by Reuters, which was a nice pat on the head, but gave me the chance. I'm not very good at working for huge companies either. It gave me a chance to um, get out of the way and just this 
thing. I don't know if you heard about it called COVID came along at the same time. So that definitely uh, made it an easier choice to get out of running large events as well. And um, since then, I've just been able to do what I call freedom, which is to work on really interesting ways of bringing patient value with really cool people on specific projects all over the place. And it's been exactly the journey I wanted. So that's and, where I am And today. is that inpatient, inpatient health? That's inpatient that's health. Yeah, okay. Exactly okay. Right. Nice background. So is, it, is it a yeah, great background? Is it a, consult, a consultancy or is it a platform or what? Yeah, I try to be a sort of an unconsultancy as much as possible. But yeah, it's a consultancy mixed with a think tank, I would say, because um, we are very much just as interested in, in rethinking as opposed to just redoing. And um, I spend a lot of my time, as you may have seen, uh, trying to be annoying, um, which I think I'm actually being quite successful at uh, publicly and provoking our industry into to doing things differently. So, uh, yeah. I was going to say not 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 annoying. Um, yeah, I think you self-describe as a provocateur, and I, I agree. I mean, you do ask the the tough questions, and you actually get responses, uh, which which is fantastic. And Jim, I don't know if yeah. you know this. I know I've kind of dropped the ball on it. I, I, I thought I was so brave. I started writing that book with the updates, um, you know, hard pill right. to swallow. And then Paul was right. usually one of the first to respond to my weekly, you know, chatter. And so I, I actually incorporated quite a lot of his responses in the following. And then I, you know, I didn't quit. I paused, Paul. So I'll be back. <laughs> um, but, but actually, Much of I us, love this. Uh, everyone in life has an unfinished book, Eugene. Anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was thinking as, as you go ahead. No, 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 no. No, as you were describing your background, I was thinking about my own career in the pharmaceutical industry where. You know, I worked in for a long time, you know, kind of kind of grew up through pharma and, you know, great career, great mentors, learned a ton. And then they gave me the best gift of all, which was a really crap boss in my last <laughs> last time. So, so that, so that, that forced me. So to, what was the boss's name? Just to be, no, sorry, I'm not, I'm not here so to be the I, I had beautiful bosses up until then and great mentors and advisors. And then they go, here you go, Jim. And then that forced me to go out my own. Right. Yeah, that Perfect. was my that was the gift. Perfect. Well, they, they always say, right, people, pandemic, people don't leave boss. companies, people leave bosses. Right. Um, that's kind of the, the statement. I, I, I don't know if that, you know, how true or not. Yeah. But um, Paul, talk I, at some point you were also, I think, writing a book and I, I loved the name. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a trademark or not. Can I say it? Can I say it? I love the name. <laughs> yeah, you can say it. You'll be the first one in many a year to say it. Farmageddon. Farmageddon, Ooh. like what a great name. Very good, very clever. You know, virtual <laughs> yeah. virtual trademark uh, by Paul, but uh, I mean, what, yeah. what, what, what was like the thinking? And uh, I know you and I chatted about this. I actually remember when I was leaving Bear, uh, I think that's when the first time you mentioned it to me, but um, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you were trying to do there. Um, I was trying to extrapolate where we as an industry wanted to go. And I kind of organized the chapters according to things like invincibility and immorality. No, not immorality, that's the wrong one. Uh, but, you know, a few words of that kind of omnipotence and things like that, because ultimately, you know, things like the life extension movement, the preventative uh, care and, and all the rest of it were ultimately taking us to these yeah. destinations. And I just wanted to like, I find that, um, this is not your case, Eugene, but I found that 
in an industry that we constantly berate for its slow pace of change, there's no carrot at the end of the stick. You know, there's no there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. What are we all actually trying to get to? And I wanted to paint a picture of what the world could look like. I actually wanted to make the book half fiction, half fact, Love. making a, a fictional story of life in the future and the factual how the hell do we get there and split each chapter into two halves for that, that, that uh, in that way. And then I got to the final chapter, which was very much about business models. And I actually found myself being really inspired by uh, rethinking. Uh, well, I was I was inspired by big tech, believe it or not, which sounds, almost sounds like a swear word nowadays. Back back then, when I was writing this thing, like four or five years ago, it, it, it was seen as you know nirvana. Um, but I observed how. Most big tech companies are effectively platform companies. The classic story is Uber doesn't own the cars, it connects drivers and passengers. Airbnb doesn't own the houses, it connects homeowners with, with, with visitors. I was trying to basically think, well, why, why can't we create a, a pharma organization that doesn't own drugs? Um, why can't we create a, a sort of development platform or a commercialization platform which brings together the drug owners, which typically are academics or biotechs in their early days with ultimately patients and HTPs and, and the users of, of those things and act as a sort of development partner to, to get that kind of thing going and work at risk. Like the Apple App Store doesn't charge money to an app maker up front. It takes a share of revenue. Some would argue slightly too much. But the point is that all of the solution providers and service providers in our industry take an upfront fee. And um, they also have misaligned objectives. Any person who's worked extensively in clinical trials will tell you that a CRO is working for fees, not to share in the success of an approved product. Right. So my idea was that by aligning this and having an at-risk model, you could actually get all of the support you needed uh, in a far smarter way. You could also, you know, effectively buy in several drugs in a same therapy area and hence have a lot more shots on goal for the same amount of efforts on the same patient population. And you could do a kind of Elon Musk style uh, order of magnitude improvement on the development process as a result. That was the dream. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a trillion dollars to make this a reality, but, um, but definitely um, I almost forgot about the book when I discovered the book took me to this model and I became far more interested in actually, right, let's talk about let's making this a reality. Right. Instead of I think like Forest, like Forest Labs, didn't they try to do a version of that? Like that was kind of, you know, um, like they refused to have an R&D department, yet they built up this, but they, they didn't I go as far. I know that story, Jim. I should probably look into it. But I mean, I know the company, but I don't know the story. Yeah, like, you so, know, yeah. classic pharma model, but they, they didn't go as far as what you're talking about. Like, you know, you, right. I think you're talking about something, you know, and, and then they, then they, kind of classically move into the squeeze on the negotiation. Like it's, I, I think that's always like, you know, like the way with medical devices where the original innovators get a very small fraction of the ultimate share, right? Like it's-, it's well, yeah, you kind of have to sell out in, in many ways, don't you? I mean, what is the route, unless you have the best product ever, you have to sell out to a larger organization. We obviously see that in the areas you guys are working in with digital therapeutics in so many cases, although we do see some brave companies trying to take it the whole way through, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I just think people have a really bad choice. Innovators don't get to see their therapy through to the end in most cases. In many cases, they don't want to, but that's partly because the whole structure, you know, VCs don't expect to stay on board beyond phase two. Right. So, but, you know, but you know um, it, I want 
re, re, totally rethink the way in which drug companies can be financed as a result mm-hmm. of not having to pay all these upfront fees. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you know, I, I think without, let's take the risk sharing, which I think is a key component of that model, right? I mean, I do think that many pharma companies, right, uh, lots of kind of open innovation, you know, in sourcing, in licensing, you know, R&D departments are shrinking, right? Um, and then on the other side, it's the market access, right? And I think we do need to kind of fix that in the middle and the risk sharing component. But in a way, that's what you described minus the risk sharing is sort of happening in the marketplace already, right? I mean, yeah. um, or starting to uh, slowly. But Also, the, the financing, the financing of that, like I think it's really interesting, like, like um, you know, to talk about my own company, but like us going public on the Euronext uh, Dublin, there was this, you know, people would ask, why, why would you do that? Well, it's because it's kind of long-term access to capital. So, so the way the structure works is that if you, you know, actually Alyssa said that last week on the podcast from Seven Wire, she's like, you know, a good outcome for someone who owns 70% of a, a company would be sell it for 20 million US dollars, right? And that's a ton of money and it's kind of yeah, transforming. That's not enough. <laughs> but yeah, for the VC, it's not enough. So so the model is set up that you're you're basically getting three to five year capital that has an expectation of a three hundred percent return, mm-hmm. you know, and in order to be seen as successful, yep. you know, so that that's expensive capital and that's you know pretty fast pay, payback. It's expensive and very impatient capital for for that obvious reason. Um, but imagine you didn't have to raise all of that that money. Imagine you could see it through. Imagine you know you could lose. A smaller proportion, you might lose 20 or 30% of sales, but not have to pay nearly as much upfront um, for that actual development process. I think that could be a very attractive solution, particularly for people who have that kind of patient orientation as the reason why that they founded their companies in the first place, which is a lot of people um, often, you know, responding to, you know, personal stories or or issues they've had. And and that's why they've created their companies. And I, I just think that to be able to provide that third way would be really, really attractive. 100%. Paul, I, you know, I, you, as we've been talking, right, like you're kind of guy, I also think like love serendipity and I'm going to actually rewind back um, when I, when I was at Bayer, started implemented this like serendipity calls, right, where I have like a 20 minute slot, you know, a LinkedIn connection comes in, I pretty much kind of like respond. And I saw you did something the other day, which like, you just got bombarded, right, uh, with with your calendar <laughs> entries. I'm I'm super curious because I've I've been fascinated. I mean, I had to squeeze time now that running your coach, right, but with with Marina, um, to like two hours a week max on these serendipity calls. But like, tell us and the listeners, viewers, like what you've learned. What was that experience like? And a little well, bit Eugene, of the process. I think you're a smarter man than I. Um, I was not expecting. Uh, a response so just in case people haven't seen I literally just posted on LinkedIn on a Sunday in January here's my Calendly time if anybody's having a struggling time or just want to chat about anything book a slot here you go and I just made my entire calendar available Wow! and I thought like on a Sunday afternoon I'd get like 10 hits so just to put it in perspective, I, I have more than 100 meetings this week wow. <laughs> as a result of doing this wow. um, so but yeah, the fact I'm actually here, guys, you know, I hope you hope you're honored because you know. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> no, I, I should have um, booked you on your calendly. 
that that's what it's <laughs> yeah but then you'd only get 15 minutes and you know, uh, you know um, actually, I, I want to ask you actually I, I could ask both of you guys this question so like how do you like what's your coping skills like I'm just thinking about like um you know I would have gone to your con your, your lovely conference that you would have run you know I for pharma and you're up on stage and you're you know you have that kind of on stage now you're kind of famous in front of everyone and then you know people come at you right like and I know Eugene does a lot of <laughs> MC at events and like how do you cope with that whole kind of asynchronous you know or the, you know people have you know they they have a lot of information about you but you don't know who they are like what's your coping mechanism uh, well I don't think I'm quite at the a-list stage yet where I, I I swagger around thinking who are you little <laughs> person how, how what, what are you doing talking to me um I, I there's definitely and I, I have as I said at the beginning a terrible memory so um, I, I often find myself like in that situation where they do know lots about me and we may have even had a conversation before and I've forgotten the person <laughs> to it happens almost daily I would say I, I think um, Jim you're you're also that way I think oh yeah. totally yeah <laughs> like what we're you know like I'm you know I'm your Dad, dad. What, the, the, <laughs> the calls that I felt least excited about because they had the least utility to me. So, you know, a, a sort of 17 year old looking for career advice, the ones where I kind of went, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this, just going to get struggle through it. Right. They've actually been the ones that I've enjoyed and even got the most out of. Wow. Uh, it's, you know, and, and that surprised me because it's been so um endearing i find actually generally people in our industry are fantastic one-to-one -one. it's when they get together that the group think and the the sort of safety first mentality takes over and people becoming lemmings and and, and don't want to take a risk on a one-to-one -one basis and i found this generally not just recently but always that people are pretty smart and ambitious and bold and creative and thoughtful and all of the things that you would want them to be uh, even when they're only 17 years old and um it's 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 just been fantastic actually you know as a natural introvert i frankly i'm wondering why the hell i did what i did but i, I <laughs> i'm actually really really enjoying it you know despite the sort of fatigue of of, of it all i am um, wow. i've got so much out of it uh from yes a sort of business point of view but also from just a personal point of view and you know there's been a lot of teary moments people you know crying on crying on each other's shoulders and and you know from people that would ordinarily you'd think of as a you know someone to look up to and you know they're having some vulnerable moments and stuff and, and then you know great ideas lots of people from India interestingly who I don't normally interface with um that's probably been 20 or 30 percent of my calls have been in India uh and what an entrepreneurial country doing so yep. many amazing things um genuinely have huge respect for some of the stuff I've seen so totally didn't know what to expect total like did it on a whim totally upset my team by destroying my entire calendar and they can't get in touch with me for love and money now <laughs> totally killed my own health lunch is now a chocolate bar if I'm lucky uh, but you know um, it's actually been worthwhile I probably won't do it for the whole of January next year <laughs> are you doing it for the whole of January uh, well, it was the first weekend of the year, so I think a few days had passed, but it's uh, over three weeks, three and a bit weeks. I think. What's a, so, what, wow. like, what is a 17-year-old huh? looking to get into the pharmaceutical industry, like what, what shocked you about their perspective? 
uh, just how damn smart they are and how much they know about, you know, what's what. And like they're, they're calling on me for, for advice, obviously. And I'm kind of being wowed by their assessment and breakdown of what's happening in biotech and the, the, the market dynamics. And I'm like, geez, man, this should, conversation should be the other way around here. I'm, I'm the one that's learning. But and, you, uh, look, you yeah. know, we, we all, uh, and this was my premise always for the serendipity calls, like everybody has a story, right? Like we're all humans. We all come from there, from somewhere, right? And everybody has a story. And I, I'm also very much of a big believer in like reverse mentorship. Like I, you know, you learn from others that are not like you, that are younger, older, same, different profession, right? Like, and it's just curiosity, right? So if you're a curious person, um, like to me, these conversations, I don't know if I can do the 100 that you did. Like, that's insane to me because... <laughs> It's like, I would, hey, honestly, I, would, it. I would almost like automate the beginning, which by the way, like now when I jump on, I'm like, okay, 30 seconds about me, give me 30 seconds about you. Like everything is kind of like the 20 minutes is now very much like, how can I help? And actually the same shit that I did to you, Paul, right? Like I have pharma, trust pharma. So like if I'm sen sensing, like I'm like, listen, I am very much straight up like this, which is what you get, you know, um, <laughs> right. we only got 20 minutes. Um, and, and you know, some people enjoy my directness and some will probably never talk to me again. Right. So. Well, that's OK. You probably don't have time to talk to them all again anyway. No, <laughs> anyway. no. And. Um, uh, well, I think well, people must be learning a lot from Eugene. Eugene, you've had uh, incredible um, experiences. I'm sure you know that. Um, and to keep it consistently going, like it sounds like you're doing, you're still squeezing it in. Uh, yeah. shows that it's got some value. Uh, but also, it's a measure of your character as well. I think you should pat yourself on the back for that. So it, it, they say time is the most precious gift, and that's what you give it. It, so. it, it, it really is. Um, so where, you know... I mean, Jim, I don't know. You, you, I, I've been like occupying Paul with my questions. If you got, if you got some, I, I got plenty. I can keep no, I, going. Well, yeah, no, I don't want to interrupt you. I, I think, um, so trust, like, so I seen you speak a lot on trust, like within the pharma industry and you, you were, you know, I was just looking up, you were interviewing these different CEOs and, you know, and you said, okay, one described trust in one way and one described trust in another way. So like, what's your what's your take on that and maybe just dig into that first <laughs> yeah sure it's actually been a while since i talked about the you know those kind of interviews but um i think we can do trust in our personal lives i don't know about you um but i don't feel like i have to check my partner's phone every five minutes to be able to trust her right um I don't feel like transparency which is what we seem to boil trust down to in our industry is the sole facet of of trust that you know if you were if you're creating a relationship in your life it's that's not the only thing uh, for some reason when we get into our professional bodies again we kind of fail to sort of take our humanity forward like we have to act as human beings and not these faceless corporations i was actually quite pleased by the initial um, communications response um, by our industry when uh, the first COVID vaccines came out. I thought uh, Pfizer, for example, did a very fine job in socializing the communication. And I was saying at the time, I think that the vaccine take up, which was considered high in those first few months, right. um, was so good because of the such human approach that they took to communicating around it. And I yep. actually made I don't know if you've seen, I do a lot of predictions because I think they're a, a good way of, of starting great conversations in our industry. And I predicted that we would see a new approach to communications coming in our industry as a result of the success story at, at, at that time. 
I would have to say <clears throat> we have failed to follow through since then. Um, and I think that uh, we go back to the sort of safety first mindset, never telling anybody about anything that hasn't already happened and hasn't already been mm -hmm. checked uh, in a thousand different ways that, you know, when you think about, you know, how Steve Jobs or today's Elon Musk or anybody that would consider anybody inspiring, you know, remember that shareholders need to be inspired as well. We live in an industry that should be the most inspiring of all. If, if Elon Musk can get a whole group of people excited about battery technology, then we should damn well be able to do it about health. Like right. crying out loud, like, why not talk about the future possibilities a little bit more right. uh, and, and, and inspire people to take people towards, you know, join us on a journey to making that, that, that a better place. I suppose we're going a little bit back to what I was thinking about with my book as well. Um, the, the, the whole trust thing is just so much more multi-dimensional multi than we're thinking, yet right. we know the answer already. We just have to look at ourselves and our own personal lives. Right. Like if you think about like that, like the idea of like, like trusting a company and, you know, or, you know, are they being transparent? Right. Like you said, like if, if I remember I was thinking of like my, my father got COVID in Florida early, early on, and we were all nervous about it. Hmm. And each of my sisters would call him and check in on him and he would give a different answer depending on which family member called them so he would say yeah of what he was doing so he would be like he kind of trusted me as a son so i was closer to him and he would be like hey here's what's really going on and then to one of my sisters that would scold them all the time he would she would even give a different response and then and then they would say oh you know we can't trust that. I'm like, no, you can trust that exactly to do what that's going to do. Like he's going to give an answer tomorrow. Like, you know, he's going to get to one yep. sister like that. To me, like that, we could completely and you trust know what that. <laughs> that kind of, that's what sort of intimacy and trust is about. It's not about perfection. It's about, you know, you can even change your story like you've just described. You can even be <laughs> ingenuine and still trusted. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a lesson we have to learn. I mean, Gen Z is about to take over our industry you know pe people in gen z and now 24 year olds are entering the world as physicians they're entering the world as patients they're entering the world as uh, trusted members of our pharma life sciences community whatever you want to call it and this is a group that is the least trusting of all uh, and is historically the least brand centric uh, of, of any generation before oh. Uh, any loyalty is generated through actions rather than words. People can see through stuff. There's a thousand message boards to discover the truth behind any claim. And even they've started, you know, through the meme stock uh, phenomenon of last year, they've started to control the future of our company's value. Um, and I think that our industry could be treading in a very dangerous place if we don't serve and observe this this new generation much better than we have doing because they're getting organized and uh the next opioid crisis we won't may not be able to survive collectively as well as as well as we have you know so, uh, i mean we need to sort yeah i had to process all that uh but you know to, i think to your point um you know trust is earned right, right. and even if you're the least and and that's where kind of honesty as well right uh that's a key component of building that trust and i you know yeah wow that was that was deep you got me like really thinking now paul <laughs> well it's deep to us unfortunately we're, we're getting a little older unfortunately and um it's it's not deep to a to a one of the 17 year olds that i was talking to at all uh, that's, that's natural they don't remember a world without smartphones and they don't remember a world where you trusted brands 
Because why would you? <laughs> if you so think speak, about the speak, speak yeah, for yourself. Getting the, older, by the way. I, I don't know. Karina <laughs> says I'm twelve year old. You're kid. actually yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about you. I think I thought you were saying before you were going to go into you know like I think about like where the pharmaceutical industry is going and you know just the power of discoveries. You know the idea that we'll be living with you know like cancer that I think touches all of us. I, you know, the idea that that becomes a chronic, you know, for certain of the conditions that the, it, within our lifetime, we'll see that become a chronic treatment versus uh -huh. a, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a sentence and, and the, or, you know, this idea that you could kind of completely transform your health. Like I was actually, I was just in Orlando last week and we were staying near Orlando health and it must've been a place for like amp amputees or something. There must've been a facility there. And they were in the way there were people that had amputations and they were walking through the lobby of the hotel and their gait and everything was just fascinating. You know, it was like wow. meeting, like the, somehow the the mechanical aspects of the of the machines they were using. You know, the um, the prosthetics was off the hook because you know it looked like they could go play a game of basketball with you or something. You know, it was just amazing. You know, and so you think about what's going to happen molecularly with medicine. <laughs> well, and and let's that apart from yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to dunk a basketball. You know, that's my goal. Like, I want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually like nine foot tall. Zoom is the great leveler, so uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just pop it in. <laughs> so, Paul, I know you know you've spent quite a lot of time, as you mentioned, 17 years, kind of working with with Pharma Plus, but mainly on the molecular side. Um, this is you know the shot of digital health therapy. What are your observation thoughts around, you know, this, you know, now buzzword of digital health and, and digital therapies and et cetera, as it comes to pharma and, uh, you know, is pharma ready? What, what's, what's your observations? Pharma will never be ready, which is why we have to force this upon pharma in many ways, much like, by the way, other molecular areas like psychedelics, cannabis, you know, all, all, of, all of anything that you would describe as new. Um, and long may that continue i'm energized by the efforts of companies like yours and, and everyone else's to, to to bring this to life <laughs> to, to change regulations to to bring it into the portfolios of companies uh to you know absorb them the the many failures and the iterations that need to be created and to find ways in which it needs to be done there is obviously um a huge amount of inevitability around the use of digital health. I talked about Gen Z a second ago. You know, this is a generation who considers a physical form of communication to be a giant hassle. Uh, and you do too, by the way. I bet you prefer your banking app on your phone to having to go into a real bank. Um, just unfortunately, we haven't created such convenient solutions in the healthcare side as yet. But uh, I, of course, it's an uphill struggle. Um, and of course, it's painfully long and slow and frustrating that so few countries still have actually created a clear pathway to, to the market. Yeah. But um, pff, all I say is um, anything I can do to keep encouraging and keep supporting and keep pushing um, and support you know, everyone collectively, I will, I will do so because it, it absolutely needs to happen. I would obviously just love to see the mainstream farmer be a little bit more open-minded. I've started to think that we need to have what I call a 5D mindset, put on your 5D glasses, um, which is drugs, diagnostics, uh, um, devices, digital therapeutics, 
and of course data and to consider all of that as your product portfolio not just one component of it and bring in as partners the components that you don't feel like you can absorb yourself uh, and and deliver a proper wholesome value proposition to your patient who obviously doesn't see the split uh, according to to the way you do so so I, so come I love together. this 5d thing awesome yeah. drug device <laughs> data, dtx and what, what was diagnostics the, uh, diagnostic. uh, dcx and well you could the fifth one is a little little weird one which is obviously data which obviously flows horizontally more than vertically but um we'll give it i to actually you. think it's not a stupid idea to consider data to be a product as well we could obviously talk about that for a while but um but but Thank that you. is not not a not a stupid way of thinking about your portfolio yes and when you think of like, because you, I've seen you obviously have had an interaction with like the top of the pharmaceutical industry, but not, you know, you know, CEOs, like where are their heads? Like I always, I would think with this is like, you know, are they, are, are any of them at a place where they see this as major strategic, you know, moves that they need to spend time on? Does it get um, any in the boardroom? It does. It does actually. Well, this is it. I mean, I got asked in one of my calls today, is the industry really changing? Uh, and I have to say for most of the pandemic so far, I would say no, disappointingly, apart from those on the COVID front line, the 99% of us are, are, are using the, the, that 1% as a bit of a heat shield. Um, but actually, in recent months, I've been quite pleased to see that we're finally getting our legs untangled and figuring out how to work, um, if not run. Uh, and there are companies, particularly kind of single uh, portfolio area companies like sort of Nova Nordisks of the world that are taking the kind of approach that I'm talking about and who are genuinely trying to make that full portfolio reimbursable. What I'm trying to illustrate here is that these are not just complementary or, right. or sort of freebie additions to, to the drug or, or, you know, companion diagnostics and things like that, which I almost see as a sort of uh, sort of um, a, a lower form of, of what I'm talking about, but uh, actually trying to make a full portfolio reimbursable, I think is, put it this way, the patients will vote with their feet. And I think that uh, we're going to have to move in that way. I, I, I work with a few companies that are thinking very differently about particularly chronic disease areas um, in this way. And um, we're not there yet. I'm not, I'm not you know, waving the flag. But I am right. pleased by the green shoots I'm seeing now, genuinely. Like at the at the senior level, yeah, a lot of CEOs are just obsessed with drug deals and and, and can't see beyond that in, in, right. in from what I can tell when I have a sort of really honest one-to-one, no one watching conversation with them. Um, but a lot are trying to do a lot more. Right. I mean, it's listen, also, that's what Wall Street is asking, right? They're not asking, right. you know, do you have this new DTX that may bring you $5 million per year, right? I, they're just not being asked that question. So. But I would also like to think that the age of shareholder power is not diminishing, but it's, you know, you know, we criticize our politicians for having such short-termist views because they're going to leave within four or five years, depending on the country they're in. Um, and, you know, we, we often criticize people in our various pharma roles for exactly the same thing. But I really think that having that long term view now, particularly going along the same lines that we've discussed already in this conversation, trust, building a reputation amongst the you know customers, looking at the kind of idolatry of the entrepreneurs who do have a long term view of the sort of names I've already mentioned on this call. Um, they can make pretty interesting things happen. And we should inspire people, as I've said, about the long-term future of healthcare. Yeah, but awesome. 
Jim, I think it's time for your, uh, you know, wrap up question. So uh, imagine. <laughs> <Sounds> nice, <huh? laughs> Maybe not for the listeners. Right, right, right. right. So it's like torture and we're dripping water on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for this moment. Come on, what are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, Eugene largely do this for ourselves. We you and I, we do it for ourselves largely. Totally. <laughs> but, by the way, yes, uh, viewers, it is as unstructured as they say it is. My, my, my preparation for this was a one-minute voice note from Eugene. That was it. <laughs> you got Basically, the voice I said we're gonna just talk, just shoot the shit. Yeah. He probably copied and pasted it from a previous voice note. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, so picture yourself. You're advising. So you're 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 at a a, a massive uh, pharma conference, and a young, you know, seven foot tall entrepreneur comes running comes running up to you and says, um, I've, "I've just struck a, a massive deal with um, thanks to your conference. I met some of the top pharmaceutical CEOs, and I've just struck a major deal. And I've during the conference, I raised a bunch of capital, and I'm flying." And you're looking at that um, entrepreneur. What advice would you give them? Retire? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> sounds like they got it made though, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> what would I do? What would I, what would I advise? Um, interestingly, I've had this question a few times uh, recently. Uh, I would say the the biggest thing is don't let that sort of curiosity flame die out. Um, I find that this industry has a pretty awful habit of pulling the life out of a lot of people and and that you know people become indoctrinated as opposed to inspired as they spend their years in our industry uh, people like you you guys have been able to 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 to, to look above that um so you know uh, well done to you but uh, so many people like by the way my life is constantly also like people who are in their 50s and 60s saying paul i'm so sick of pharma bureaucracy help me get a job in an exciting biotech or, or whatever it is and, and i'm kind of an informal headhunter in many ways um but we just went through a situation where um nobody now has the experience uh of knowing what the hell is the future going to look like embracing uncertainty is the greatest skill now as opposed to necessarily using your many learned years before you and I think that we have to embrace the people who are willing to go backwards before they go forwards, who are willing to unlearn because they realize that we need to be on a different mountain from the one that we've been climbing the last few years. And you can't just cross one mountain with a single step, even though when you're as tall as I am, with one single leap, you actually have to go <laughs> down into the valley, unlearn, be embarrassed, go against the grain, look like an idiot in front of your colleagues. Uh, and I often get asked to do um, presentations, a lot of pharma companies, and um, uh, they often, again, ask me to be provocative. I, I give them this slide where I use an example of uh, terrorism. That usually frightens everybody in the crowd. Uh, and I talk about the story of uh, a terrorist incident in London where um, uh, this guy managed to stab two people, and uh, the amazing part of the story is that he didn't kill any more than he did. And the reason is because some members of the public chased him out of the building where he started this and onto the streets where he was then shot by police. The interesting thing, he was wearing a suicide vest this whole time. So the people who oh, engaged wow. with him hand-to-hand -hand combat could have been blown up any second. And I tell this story because I ask people, what kind of person are you? 
are you truthfully the person that would have engaged in hand-to-hand combat and ignored the advice of your friends and family to stay away and run away? Or would have you been like everybody else? Most of us would be like everybody else. That's absolutely fine. But let's give oxygen and let's listen to the people who are illogical for once, who actually saved the day in that particular example and could save the day again, even if they're talking about unconventional and no concern from their own personal safety. So I would say don't let that light go out and make sure that you continue to provoke as I am. If you, you know, you don't have to do it publicly, you can do it, you know, internally, but just, you know, don't sort of lose your rough edges. And, 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 and we need that in our industry. We need, we need more of that and we don't have enough. I love well, that's what this I'd say. was mind blowing. Thank you so much for joining us and making room for 45 minutes. <laughs> or so not just not just 15 but um and and to all the listeners and viewers hit subscribe pass it on and uh see you next week hand to hand combat